0: Welcome to CFAS Podcast. I'm Michael Hedstrom, Director of the Closed End Fund Association. It's my pleasure to have Chris Kilpatrick from Western Asset with me, and he will share his thoughts on the fixed income market, the outlook, and potential opportunities for closed end fund investors. Western Asset is a global fixed income manager with over $425 billion in assets under management and an independent affiliate of Lake Mason. Chris is a portfolio manager and part of Western's team-based approach to managing their funds. He joined Western Assets in 2003 with prior experience at PIMCO and GMAC Mortgage Corporation. Chris, thank you for participating in our podcast today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Chris, given the recent interest rate hike and that the Fed has signaled plans for a few more rate hikes over the next several quarters, how has this changed your investment strategy and approach in managing your funds?
1: Absolutely. We, uh, we continue to maintain our, you know, our long-term value approach here at Western Asset. We employ you know, really a large and experienced uh, global team of credit analysts that spend a lot of time looking for individual issuer opportunities. And alongside that, we have a you know, pretty deep and experienced team of global credit portfolio managers also trying to exploit you know, sector overweight, underweights, as well as you know, rating category opportunities globally. Second, you know, we recognize credit markets have had a really strong run here post the commodity crisis of 2015, which ended in early 2016. So, you know, while we recognize that the the lower yields and, and tighter spreads that we're getting on our spread sectors are certainly more sensitive to changes in interest rates. But, you know, it certainly hasn't deterred us from looking for opportunities. And then, you know, against that backdrop, I just would like to add that, you know, we think rates globally are low. So when you look at, for example, the German boond at 20 basis points on a dollar basis, and, and Japan 10-year bonds even lower than that, we think U.S. rates are somewhat underpinned by some of these lower interest rates globally. And a 2.3% U.S. Treasury bond probably looks okay in that context. So we don't expect, you know, sort of this big blow-off top in rates, if you will, on, on longer end uh, portion of the curve. Lastly, while we see, you know, we do see two additional increases this year by the Fed. Uh, You've recently spoke to my colleague, John Bellows, and uh, we do believe that the Fed continues to be data dependent, which is really important. Uh, They're focused on inflation expectations, employment data, GDP growth, and then lastly, global financial conditions. And we think that's really important, especially recently. You've seen certainly a pickup in the geopolitical risks with whether it's Syria or Russia or North Korea and China or you know elections in France. It just seems like there's a lot going on. We think the Fed's data dependent, and they're not going to do anything to really choke off the, the expansion that's been going on here in, in the U.S. Uh, post the credit crisis.
0: With this backdrop, a question that we often get is, what well, looks good? With rising rates, improving yields on cash, and other low-risk assets, will this eventually curb appetite for yield in higher-risk fixed-income sectors? And, and Chris, where do you see opportunity for closed-down fund investors?
1: Sure. I'll start with our global credit closed in funds, such as EHI. We're currently overweight, both U.S. as well as emerging market bonds. For emerging markets, we we really like the valuations there. They look attractive, both on a historical basis relative to the developed world, uh, as well as currently they look attractive uh, based on on current valuations. So, where we're concerned uh, on emerging markets is is we're certainly um, cautious or thinking about You know, just some of the protectionist politics that we've been seeing recently, like border taxes or implications from a stronger dollar. These are things that could be negative to emerging markets. We're seeing several kind of individual opportunities. We like a couple of countries that are emerging from recessions. So we're overweight countries such as Brazil, Argentina, as well as Russian bonds currently across our our global credit closed-end funds. Second, we see opportunities in investment-grade corporate bonds here in the U.S. uh, as well as in Europe. But specifically, we like uh, financials. We think financials is a nice hedge against uh, rising interest rates in our fixed income portfolios. And the reason being is simply that banks tend to be more profitable with higher front-end rates. In the U.S., we think banks will benefit, uh, you know, additionally from just the shift that's, that's happening now from monetary to fiscal stimulus. That's positive for the banks, as well as uh, a more business friendly regulatory environment should be beneficial as well uh, for Europe. Kind of some of the same. We think things could improve there going forward, as well as the ba- for for their balance sheets. There is still more work to do in Europe with the banks, uh, but we do feel like the roadmap uh, is out there for them. And then you overlay that with valuations that are currently uh, pretty attractive. Lastly, we're overweight U.S. below investment grade corporate bonds, especially in our unlevered high yield portfolios such as I- HIO, or our levered high yield portfolios such as HIX. Uh, the market is no longer obviously cheap, as I mentioned previously. We don't think you can go out and just buy systematic or market risk, if you will, for the high-yield market. We really think, you know, like like an ETF or a passive fund would do, we really think you have to be focused, and there's there's opportunities out there, but you have to be selective. Some of the sectors that we're currently interested in are sectors where we think management teams continue to focus on improving their balance sheets, and they're less focused on Returning cash or paying dividends to their shareholders. Some of these sectors would be energy, as well as metals and mining space. Second, you know, our team's looking to identify some rising star candidates. We're looking for bonds where we feel, you know, maybe the agencies have been overly punitive. They were too quick to downgrade them during the last cycle. We're overweight a couple a couple of issuers. One would be uh, Davita. It's a dialysis provider here in the states. Uh, it was actually upgraded uh, recently. Another one is Hilton Hotels. They have a stable business and a management team that we think really wants to eventually get back to investment grade. And the last one I'll mention, a company called Park Aerospace. It's one of the global uh, aircraft leasing companies. We think that these are all good, not just income opportunities for our closed in fund shareholders, but also longer-term capital appreciation stories um, that we have across, across our funds right now.
0: And speaking of income, most closed-end funds are designed and built for income, Another common question advisors and investors often have is, what's going on with my distributions? So this is a key outcome for many closed-end fund investors, particularly over the long run. How should investors evaluate distributions, and do any of your funds use a managed
1: distribution approach, and if so, why? Sure, uh, You know, all our distributions are really a function of the income that's available for distribution to shareholders. And so we're a little bit beholden to the market. So as as markets rally, we we tend to reinvest at lower yields, Um, and that does tend to pressure income. Uh, When markets sell off, however, we increase the income available to shareholders because we're reinvesting at higher rates or as we're trading the portfolio, we're reinvesting it at higher yields. And so this is really true for all managers. And you kind of get what's what's given to you in terms of opportunities out there for just general yield opportunities. We look at our distributions relative to other credit closed-end funds just to make sure our payouts look attractive relative to those other funds. Lastly, the comment I'd, I'd like to make is, we also look at our distributions relative to some of the passive opportunities, which we think is really important, When shareholders have a lot of opportunities to, for example, buy an ETF. And so we want to make sure our funds look attractive relative to those. So, for example, HIO, our unlevered high-yield portfolio, Currently has a payout or a distribution of just over seven percent, seven point one percent, versus the ETFs out there are currently distributing about five point six percent. That's currently the payout there, as well as the global high yield index is also you know currently trading in the you know kind of mid to high fives range. So pretty pretty significant pickup in yield relative to some of the other opportunities if if you go with the, the Western asset opportunity. Let's talk about leverage. Income from closed-end funds may be potentially enhanced by the use
0: of leverage, and nearly three-quarters of the closed-end fund universe uses leverage. But with short-term rates heading higher, leverage costs are also increasing. Chris, how do you use leverage to generate additional income, and is using leverage an effective tool in this environment?
1: In our levered close-in funds, uh, you, you're accurate. We have seen an increase in our cost of financing. It, it's been marginal, but it's it's noticeable, and it certainly does reduce income available to shareholders. Um, so it's something that we're, we're really focused on. We do continue. We do use leverage in our levered close-in funds, and we continue to actively manage that leverage. And so what we like to do is dial it up when we see more opportunities. And then we like to reduce leverage when we think, you know, the market's ahead of itself and there's, you know, maybe uh, not enough uh, concern or, from investors. So it's, it's, that's when it's time to, to delever your funds and, and be a little more cautious. So I'd say the leverage, the use of leverage is more dictated by the opportunities we're seeing in below investment grade, as well as uh, other spread products uh, available for shareholders. Where are we right now? We're kind of in the middle of that range. We have uh, the ability to take up leverage and add exposure. If we see some opportunities from some of the, maybe some of the geopolitical events cause volatility to go higher and we see, um, you know, some more opportunities, we can increase leverage and take advantage of those opportunities. And if things continue to rally and we continue to post such strong performance, we could look to reduce our leverage and deliver the the funds uh, going forward. Another thing I'd just like to get your thoughts on is,
0: as most of our listeners know, closed-down funds have two values, the net asset value, or NAV, and the market price, and the difference is the premium or discount. Can you talk a little bit about what you're seeing related to the trends in the level of discounts and premiums, and
1: are all discounts good? I think, as an investor, you know we all like to buy things at a discount, so in, in general, I'd say discounts are beneficial. But... You know, I want to kind of frame that with a couple of other things. And one is that, you know, as an investor, we, we understand that you also want a, a stable stream of income with these funds. And it's it's important to, to do everything you can to maintain that uh, stability of income. And then we also understand that over time, there needs to be some sort of path to narrow that discount, right? Or, or another said another way is... Um, you know, we'd like our shareholders to benefit from the capital appreciation in the fund. So those are kind of the the way we'd balance the discount versus um, price and NAV question. You know, one additional tool that we at Western have, and we have used this in the past, is that, you know, if discounts become too large or we see just, you know, an obvious opportunity to retire shares, our board has approved a buyback across our credit closed-end funds, so we do have the ability to use that tool to purchase our own shares in the secondary and, and retire them. And again, we have used that in the past when those opportunities have appeared. Thank you, Chris. This was very helpful to get the overview of the market environment and talk specific about some of the
0: key concepts for closed-end fund investors. I really appreciate your overview and your perspective. I appreciate you having me. Thank you. You can find more insight from Western Asset on their website at westernasset.com, as well as information about their closed-end funds on the Legmason Mason website at legmason.com. I also encourage you to visit cifa.com, which is your comprehensive resource for education, data, and timely insight on closed-end funds. Thank you all for listening. Have a great day.